0: You are listening to the Real Estate Proverbs Podcast with host Kevin Jefferson. This is the number one podcast for African-American real estate professionals who are doing extraordinary things. It's time to tune in. And now, your host, the People's Lender. Kevin Jefferson. Kevin Jefferson. Welcome to Real Estate Proverbs Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Jefferson. Today we have a special guest by Miss Naella Allen. Good afternoon, Naella.
1: Good afternoon, Kevin. How are you?
0: I'm doing well and yourself?
1: I'm doing wonderful.
0: That's awesome, awesome. Tell us a little bit about who you are.
1: Well, I am Niella Allen. I am a real estate entrepreneur, uh aka realtor. Uh, I am licensed with Keller Williams Atlanta Partners. Uh, My actual company underneath Keller Williams is uh, High Yield Realty Services, LLC. And that's a little bit of who I am. I am a realtor here in the Atlanta, Georgia area.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Um, So let's kind of dig into it. How did you get into real estate?
1: How did I get into real estate? Well, I got into it by making my first purchase when I was 24. I was a single mom. And my exposure to it is actually from my mom. When um, I was nine, she purchased her first home, which happened to be in Riverdale, Georgia. And um, she was just one of those independent women that decided that she wanted to own her own properties and be independent. And so she didn't believe in having apartments and she purchased one of her first homes. And, you know, when I was nine, but my first experience and introductory into the real estate industry is at age 24 when I purchased my first home. And I think that was back in 2002, I believe. So I guess I'm telling my age. Uh, <laughs> Um, And so I used my mom's realtor. She took me out to see about three or four homes. And I picked the first one, even though I looked at four of them, I picked the first one. And I was like, this is pretty cool. I think I could help other people, you know, through this process and see that it's done. A lot of people my age were renting. Um, Of course, I was probably the youngest person with a child. So that was my motivation. But That's pretty much my first introduction into real estate.
0: Okay. So when you purchased your first home, uh, what were you doing at the time?
1: Um, I was working full time at uh, IBM. I was also in the Army Reserves. So I had been with IBM, I would say um, six months in. And some of my coworkers thought I was crazy because they didn't know, you know, the economy is, we're we're not sure if this will be, a good time to purchase or, you know, there's so many things that can happen. But um, I was working as a contract um, administrator for uh, Lotus Division within IBM. And I worked the second and third shift because we handled support <laughs> of the Asian Pacific region. And um, like I said, I was a reservist. So one week in a month, two, weekend, two weekends out the year, I was a soldier. Um, so that's pretty much my employment at that time.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for your service. I appreciate oh, it.
1: Thank you. my honor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so since you mentioned uh, that you're a reservist and you served our country, you know, two weekends mm-hmm. out of the year. Um, tell us about your uh, passion in real estate now.
1: Well, now my uh, passion in real estate is to educate, encourage and empower individuals to build A legacy through real estate, Um, whether that's purchasing their first home or selling their first home and buying their next home, or if they're looking to get into real estate as new agents. um, However that looks for them in terms of real estate and building a legacy for their family, that's my true passion. Um, I'm also, in terms of, I guess, the niche market, so to speak, is I'm passionate about helping veterans, um, educating my colleagues as well as the public about uh, VA home loans and how it can be used in kind of demystifying some of the the untruths, so to speak, that are out there um, in hopes that people would look at this loan product as a a great tool to help, I guess, further my passion of um, empowering people to purchase real estate. So that's just a little bit about my passion. Gotcha.
0: So in terms of the the VA home, uh, the VA, the veterans purchasing homes, is there some type (laughs) of special benefit they receive or... For purchasing nope. or be um, actually pr- benefit from being in the military and uh, some type of benefit or bonus that they receive for purchasing a home?
1: So the VA home loan is actually was actually created out of the GI Bill. Um, Roosevelt signed the bill back in 1944. I hope I got my president's right. <laughs> <laughs> but 1944, he signed the GI Bill to allow it, it's one of the benefits within that GI Bill package that he signed off that allows veterans, those who serve, and I think at the time they had to be wartime, um, but it's developed to where today, if you serve in National Guard, reservists, or active duty, if you've retired or just served your term and have a DD-214, you're entitled to this home loan, which, as you know, as a great mortgage person, is 100% financing and it has no PMI. So it is a huge benefit to veterans and um, military personnel to purchase a home in today's market or gotcha. any market for that matter. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: So what's the... What's the process for the veteran to get started on that journey?
1: Well, the process is to contact a VA or their, (laughs) Uh, it just depends. Let me back up and say it depends because um, if they're on active duty, they may have to contact their HR person or the S1. If they're retired or veteran, they can go directly to va.gov. Um, or access their e-benefits to submit a request to get um, their certificate of eligibility. Um, And if they're a reservist or National Guard, they may also need to contact their S-1 or just the the process of going to VA.gov and starting the process of getting a certificate of eligibility. So that would be the first step.
0: Gotcha. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so would the uh would the VA be able to tell them if they're even eligible, like whether they had enough time in?
1: So yes, the VA helps them with their eligibility to say they can use their VA home loan. The next step or a part B to that, um to their first step would be to contact a mortgage lender or contact me, you know, I'm I'm B or C. And then I, <laughs> I can <could> put <laughs> Can put them in contact with a lender such as yourself um, to make sure that they meet the loan qualification for that VA home.
0: Got you, got you. So, what created the uh, the passion or the wanting to focus on this niche in particular, <laughs> veterans?
1: Um. Well, I would say a number of things. One, I am a veteran. It is a loan product that I have used myself. And uh, it's part of my mission of helping people build their legacy through real estate is so that they can um, increase their equity or assets and and just wealth overall. And it's a great product that allows them to do that, especially with the no PMI. But most importantly... um, in November of last year, my mom, who I mentioned, exposed me to um, owning a home. And um, she, in November, did an appraisal on her particular home. And the appraiser, uh, unfortunately, the report came back 600 square feet less than her home, and the comps didn't match her specific home. And (sighs) And um, looking at that and analyzing it, what I didn't mention earlier is that my mom also served. She's also a veteran. She's served in the Army for nine years and got out as a, a captain. So oh, wow! Lo- looking at all of that, I was like, you know, something something's not right here. Where where is it in in terms of the value and you know knowing that she served um, I guess it just fueled the passion for me to be more of an advocate <laughs> um, for the veteran community um, I think I'm I'm unique in the way that I understand how a veteran thinks I know some of the lingo or or the the language right so I can connect in that way and at the same time. I understand the real estate industry and some of the verbiage. So, after my mom had that appraisal, I was able to guide her through the process of getting that um, appraisal reevaluated or her home reevaluated. And she was able to come up $100,000. So now starting in 2021, that's like my primary mission, right? Is <laughs> to make sure that people are aware of this product and kind of um know the truth about the values of the home or or the benefit of this product to everybody, buyers right. and sellers in our industry.
0: Right. So in terms of the appraisal piece, what was it that you did to increase the value on the reevaluation, the re I guess reinspection <laughs> or whatever?
1: Right. So um, I told her to go ahead and contact the uh, lender and ask for the notice of value um, and ask for a reevaluation. I also shared with her comps that were similar to her home. And then fortunately, she was a- she had a previous appraisal like the year prior. Mm-hmm. So she was able to submit that along with um, the comps. And then I gave her some verbiage. Um, what I did was I contacted another appraiser that I know. Um, and I gave her the verbiage to, to go back to the bank and say, Hey, we need to look at these comps again. Um, and, um, she was able to get that value back in her home.
0: Wow. So how long was that process? Like how long did it take? For you guys to go through the initial, I guess, after you got the valuation and came in lower than expected, how long did it take to get the comps and the appraiser to come back out or to reevaluate the value?
1: I would say it was probably within within two weeks, two weeks, the tops. Um, I think what was important is that she had the comps and she had the verbiage because um, a lot of times when things like that happen, um, the general public are in their emotions, right? They don't know what to say. And and, and she was more upset and rightfully so. Um, and so I think that time frame allowed them to say, see that, oh, she may know exactly what she's talking about. Let's, let's go back and and tell this appraiser, hey, we have this information. Can you verify or whatever? And he went back out. He actually had to come to the house because I think at the time it was during COVID, he may have done a desktop appraisal and um, hadn't really looked at the house. But if he had just driven by, he would have known that, you know, he had missed square footage on her home. So, um, it was about two weeks to answer your question. Okay,
0: cool. So what are a few things that, um, you would advise a veteran to do if they want to begin the home buying process?
1: Veterans call me.
0: <laughs> that's it? Call us,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the first thing. And then everything else after that, I take care of. No, gotcha. um, <laughs> The very first thing is uh, look at your credit, look at um, your financing, make sure that you are um, paying your bills on time Um, and definitely get that certificate of eligibility. Know that when you get the certificate of eligibility, there will be an amount on there, but that's not the amount that you're approved for. Right. So the next thing would be to talk with a professional, whether it's myself, Kevin, or you know, someone that's versed in real estate, you know, has some deals um, under their belt and could evaluate, well, as a realtor, I'll refer you to a lender, but I'll have conversations with you about what may be on your credit and how maybe your utilization of credit could affect you. And then I can refer you over to a lender. And at that point, we could develop a plan if you're not ready today for you to purchase a home. So those would be the steps. I don't know how many things I gave you, but those would be the steps and advice that I give to all veterans. Because just because you get the entitlement or you have the entitlement and the benefit does not mean that you still qualify for a home. So regardless if you use the VA or not, which is the choice of all veterans, um, you still need to know where you stand financially in terms of purchasing your home. Um, and when it comes time to selling your home and you've already used your VA benefits, um, you need to make sure that you have, you know, the steps to purchase the next house so that you can use your VA benefits again. Because there are some rules in terms of whether or not you can keep your VA, existing VA home um, and purchase another one and still have two homes. That's not the case in all situations. So you definitely need to speak with the professional so that you know what your options are.
0: Gotcha. What states are you licensed
1: in? Georgia. (laughs) So this information is based on Georgia. Oh, I haven't given anything specific. It's general, the information that I've given. Right. Um, But I am licensed in Georgia. And um, yeah, the VA home loan is a, a federal program and it can be used for people who are overseas. I am licensed in in Georgia. However, I have real estate professionals and partners throughout the world. So (laughs)
0: let me know. (laughs) Got you, for sure. Um, And so, your real estate journey, I want to dig into that. Uh
1: oh, dig. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. I wish I had the AC on in here. Go
0: ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, at what you, you purchased your first home at 24. Yep. And what, how old were you when you uh, actually got your license? 28. 28. Mm-hmm. Um, what were you doing at the time?
1: I got married and um, IBM was, uh, uh, it wasn't satisfying. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't satisfying. I was. I had a desk. I was good at what I did, um, but I always, I, I remember going through the process of purchasing my first home and I was like, I'm going to get licensed. I'm going to get licensed. And I guess 2005, I, I, had my, I was pregnant with my second child, Kaylee, aka Admin, as you know her. <laughs> And um, during my maternity leave, I took the license for a real estate course. I, I don't know how I stumbled on it. I was just like, this might be the opportunity for me to go through and get my license because I've always wanted to do it. And during that maternity break, I actually studied for the course. I was at uh, it was Metro Brokers at the time. They had a school. And I went through their course during maternity leave and um, got my license. And so I don't know if I answered your question, but
0: you did. I- how, how old you were and uh, mm-hmm. how you how you got started? Um, yep. So in two thousand five, uh-huh. how was the market?
1: Well, I would say I was pregnant in two thousand five, but got licensed in two thousand six. And so that was a time that everybody said, "Oh yeah, the market was the bomb. It was booming." and Deals were going left and right. I can't say that for myself. Um, I was still working. So After okay. maternity leave, I went back to work and I was doing it part-time. And I remember selling a house to a lady in Riverdale. She bought that house for, it had to be like $50,000 at that time, right? It was, no, that's not true. Because I was like probably like in this, the 80s. $80,000 was like my price point back then. And um, so I wasn't a, a top producer when I first came into the business. You know, I stumbled upon her somewhere and we started looking at houses, got her approved and she purchased that house. I, I wonder, I wish I kept in contact because I wonder where she is now. That house is probably worth at least $200,000. <laughs> but I just had like onesies and twosies. Um, My mom had a couple of more properties. I hope she's okay with me sharing this, but anyway, she she had a couple more properties. So I was able to help her list them to get them rented out. So I did some property management assistance and checking for um, tenant backgrounds and things of that nature. So the market was hot, but I was in my own little world maintaining going to work and everything. Um, In 2007, late 2007, um, the economy shifted. Uh, IBM said, uh, it's time for you to look for something else. And I attempted to do real estate full time in like 2008, 2009 frame, Uh, yeah, time frame. And um, it was a challenge. Uh, I didn't know, I didn't have the right mentorship at that time, I didn't know to try different brokerages or go different places. So um, I finished out my military career so that we, my husband and I could keep afloat and kind of do things that we needed to do, like finish our degrees and um, do some different things. So that was my beginning start. And then after we got our degrees, did what we needed to do, um, went to public accounting firms, um, reti- I retired from the military. Uh, We transferred back to Georgia uh, and I got relicensed. I had let my license last. So 2017, I got my license again and I'm here today. I think I had seven transactions my first year. Last year was a good year for me where I doubled or increased my listing side of things 300%. And um, I'm looking forward to having a phenomenal year this year, though. That's. that's, I think I gave you a whole bunch. Uh, I gave you you more than what you asked me for.
0: Nah, you did. That's. You're fine. You're fine. Um. So, what was it about the market in 2008 and nine that, um, I guess kind of made you leave the industry?
1: (sighs) That's a very good question. Um. Like I said, I don't think I had the right support, and most importantly, I didn't know to ask the right questions or know what questions to ask. Um, And it can be challenging when, let me say that my husband and I were both in sales at that time. So he was insurance sales and I was real estate sales. And so it can be challenging juggling all of that, um, maintaining So I just looked at it. Well, maybe this wasn't for me. And um, I get chills just thinking about that now. Like, maybe this isn't for me because now that I'm here, I see, I know what it is to help other people through this process. Um, I think it was just a challenge. That that was a tough market. You had a lot of REO properties. I attempted to get on with some banks and didn't have enough um, credentials, so to speak. Uh, to get in in that type of market. So it was sink or swim or, or catch the boat that was coming by. And the military was like, hey, we got this boat. though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hopped on that boat. And when I was gone, um, uh, that boat took me to Pennsylvania. When I was in Pennsylvania, I remember this lady calling us, calling me um, probably about 10 months after I had been gone. And I helped her get into a lease purchase program, her and her family. And she said, Nayella, you know, I have some questions. We're ready to purchase. This is when you know, you're like, oh, God, I'm ready to purchase. And I said, well, Ms. Jackson, you know, Casey and I, we, I I, I had took this military duty and Uh, We're going to be gone for a while. And, you know, I opted to step out of the business. She said, man, she said you were my real estate agent. And when she said that, it hit me like a tunnel brick. I was like, oh, my gosh, what did I leave? But, you know, not knowing um, you just don't know what you don't know. Um, And so I don't know if that answers the question about what made me leave the industry. But it was like either sink, swim or get on the boat. And the military offered a boat or a life raft for for us at that time. So I had to take it.
0: Yeah. So where you are today and knowing what you know, if you could go back and be in that same position back then, what would you how would you navigate through it? Would it be the same outcome or?
1: You know what? The outcome will be beautiful right now because 2020 is kind they say 2020 is always hindsight where, you know, you know better. Um, It's funny because I used to go to my office and there was a Keller Williams that was new in the area office. And I drive by and be like, where is that? And this is not a, this is not a promotion for KW, but I would drive by that office and say, Hey, that's a KW office. It's red. It stands out. It pops. It feels like it was energy. I never went over there to explore my options, Right. So high like being 2020, I would have looked into that office to see, Hey, what do I need to do to be here? um, and made that, made that leap in, in terms of doing whatever it took to stay in the industry, because it, it did not feel good. i tell you what, it did not feel good having that call 10 months later from Ms. Jackson. And she was like, your husband was my insurance guy and you were my real estate agent. And now I don't have anybody. And when she said that, it just hit me like, Oh, I meant something to somebody, you know? Right. And so. I definitely would have navigated it differently, and my business would be on fire. <laughs> it would have been on fire. So it's okay. I'm here now. It's and still- your business
0: is on fire. Fire. So, yeah. So, um, so yeah. I mean, I'm, I appreciate that. You know, showing your vulnerability. You know, what I mean, in terms of the industry, because <clears throat> a lot of times. We see the glitz and the glam of the real estate industry, but we don't really get an opportunity to see stories or hear stories such as yours where you were in at the height of the market. You didn't have the success that you thought you wanted to have. And then you did what was best for your family at the time, not knowing the outcome, and you exited the market only to be reached by somebody you touched. And it gave you that inkling to say, okay, maybe maybe I did make a difference. Um, I think a lot of times we get caught up in, myself included, so I'm talking to me, a lot of times we get caught up in seeing other people's successes, as well as being not being where we want to be. So we don't think we're successful. But then there was another Niall or somewhere saying, oh, she's killing it. And you like, oh, I'm doing a horrible job. So, um, you know, I I just think that sometimes we just have to run. We have to learn to run our own race. And, you know, we are affecting people and changing lives. And we can only do it one person at a time, one house at a time. Um, so that, you know, that to me makes it, it, it means a lot. And now, you know, I don't know if you still talk to Miss Jackson, but you need to reach out to her See? <laughs>
1: My mindset at that time was just, you know, it's survival. It's, you know, there's one thing to be in survival mode and then it's another thing to say, okay, I'm, I'm doing good and I can thrive at this point. And I just wasn't there. So I say that to say, I hope Ms. Jackson sees me and feels free to reach out to me because I, <laughs> I I just, I thought I was never going to come back into real estate. I really thought that I was going to finish out my military career and I was going to go on to different things. I didn't even think past that. so. Um, I'm in a different space where I do connect with my clients. I do stay in contact with them. So, um, I'm going to see if I can find Ms. Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Let me see if, I'm not, if I, I find let's,
0: We we'll have a part 2 and see how see if you touch bases with Ms. Jackson. It's going to be an update. I'm going to add an update on them. <laughs> 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 um, so now that you're here, uh, what is your What is your stand? your thought process or not says thought process? What do you think of the market that we're in right now?
1: You know, I've asked agents that have been in 20 plus years, what do they think about this market? And they said, this is something we've never seen before. And so I'm I'm bound to believe it Mm because this is something I never thought would happen where we would have an inventory shortage and uh, houses would be (laughs) selling in hours and, buyers fighting over, you know, going $20,000 above list price. And, you know, it's just, it's unique. Um, And we were in a multiple offer situation, I guess, in some spaces in 2018 and 2019. However, COVID kind of magnified that, I think, in terms of, Some people have decided not to move (laughs) in the time and space that that they thought they would. Um, I would say at least five of the people that I thought were going to sell this year that would have been in my my uh, goal for this year. They have decided, you know, yeah, right now is not the time. So I think prices are here to stay um, for at least a couple of years. And if anything, after that point, it would probably be more of a leveling out. Um, especially in the Atlanta market, because our prices compared to say New York, um, California, some places in in Florida or Miami, we're still um, affordable, so to speak. So you, I'm experiencing where people are coming from Arizona, Texas, putting in full price offers at three hundred thousand cash, you know. Um, so in terms of like the Atlanta market, I think we just need to brace ourselves. Uh buyers need to be more financially sound in terms of saving, um, being prepared to put more d- money down, maybe contact Congress, see if they can loosen some things up. But, um, that's my perspective of the market. We're currently in inflation, which we haven't seen in a while per remarks of Dave Ramsey. So yeah. Gotcha. what are your thoughts?
0: I think that we're in a totally, I just had this conversation with the agent um, I think we're in a totally different market than we were in, in 2006. So I mm-hmm. remember, I remember being an Asian in 2006 saying, and I didn't have kids at the time, nor was I married. And I was like, I don't know if my kids ever be able to buy a house unless I set them up because the market was climbing. I've always followed real estate, but I hadn't, I wasn't a realtor at the time. Um, So 2007, you start seeing a change in the market, 2008, it hit the fan. Um, So at that point we were navigating through. Now we hear people discussing a crash or a bunch of foreclosures, right? Mm -hmm. The difference, and this is where the agent and I were talking, the difference is we have no inventory. Yeah. So in 2008, 2009, there was a ton of new construction houses on the market nationwide. And I remember being in Delaware hearing, man, you could get a new construction house in Atlanta finished for like a hundred grand or less. And we wasn't talking about 1,000 square feet. We were talking about two and 3,000 square feet because the builders needed to get rid of the inventory. Um, so it, two different markets. You know, that market happened because of economics. This one is because, you know, we're still, you know, we're it's health, but it's increasing. So, like, I think we've got a while before we see anything. Now, the caveat to that is, Let's say we do see a um, a bunch of foreclosures or people start losing their homes. I don't think we'll see it. I'm gonna tell you why. So they're
1: gonna keep re- signing those bills. But go ahead.
0: No, not necessarily. No. No, well, that's possible, right? Okay. So at the end of the Great Recession, mm-hmm. hedge funds begin to gobble up tons of non performing assets, right? So now mm-hmm. those same hedge funds still have those bank relationships. How I know is because I went from listing short sales to REOs. And mm-hmm. at the end of my time as a loan officer, I mean, as a realtor, mm-hmm. I was listing properties that were being rehabbed by hedge funds. A lot of hedge funds were buying properties and they are now you're you as an agent. Mm-hmm. And your buyer and our buyers are competing with hedge funds buying properties because I know people who have hedge funds as clients that they're putting in offers for. So while people are waiting to see if the bubble busts and we can get houses for penny on a dollar, I don't think we'll ever see them because the hedge funds have a lot more money than us and they will gobble them up. So we will see some sort of correction. I agree with you that it'll level out but and I'm not an economist and you know I just know what I've seen over 17 years I think that we'll see a change but I don't think we'll see nowhere near what we saw you know in 2008 2009 um but I I never thought nothing could get crazier than 2006 in terms of home prices so you know now it's just it's it's bananas you know it's Great time for sellers to make Mm -hmm. some money. Great time for buyers in terms of interest rates. Yep. But finding a house is a ton of work. That's a ton of work. Um, But I think we're in a good market. You know, it helps, you know, the fact that we're in the metro Atlanta area, um, it helps dramatically. You know, I, I think they said the census from 2010 to 2020, Atlanta, metro Atlanta gained a million more people in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um that's the whole state I came from. That's the whole state of Delaware. I don't even think Delaware has a million people. Mm-hmm. So um, I think we're in a great market. I think it's mm-hmm. a great time to purchase and to sell. Um the the bad part is, and we've been talking about it for years, is the affordable housing. Yep. The Affordable housing.
1: Yeah.
0: Um the that so the, the affordable housing and the housing affordability, meaning Now, uh, one one big thing that I saw was student loans having an effect on people's ability to buy. Not that they couldn't afford the house. It was the payment that they had to use. Now that that has changed, two things are going to happen. It's going to bring in more buyers, which I'm talking to at least three to four people a day that couldn't qualify. And now we're trying to figure out how to get them there or what they qualify for. Mm -hmm. But it should also open up for sellers because there were sellers who purchased and then they went to school or took parent Mm -hmm. plus loans for their kids and they had to use that student loan calculation. So that should help bring up more inventory. But bringing more inventory also still brings more
1: buyers. Yep.
0: Hopefully I answered your question.
1: (laughs) You did. And that's a great perspective. Um, It's it's funny. I posted on uh, social media today about uh, Tyler Perry buying out the rest of the the Fort McPherson or not rest of some of the remaining balance. Uh, He's doing a joint venture with T.D. Jakes and they're supposed to bring in affordable housing with that development. So um, I'm excited to see what will come of that and what affordability will look like in about two or three years because costs are the material costs are increasing so yeah so it's a, it's a cycle it's a so cycle let me ask you a
0: question and I know Uh-oh. um did you know how Lake
1: Denaire got here I uh I'm sad to say that I just recently found that out this year
0: I found out last night
1: oh uh, it, it hit you like a ton of bricks didn't
0: yeah my wife's away on a girl's trip and I had to call her <laughs> I was like what <laughs> like i never knew um it so while i was shocked i'm not surprised right you see what i'm saying like i'm not surprised um
1: what made you think of that
0: what we just said Uh uh-huh. um just because we were talking about affordability of housing
1: yeah. um
0: the affordability of housing and housing affordability and just thinking about all the generations of people who could be in a better position, but they continue to wipe out our communities. Mm-hmm. So that further puts us behind. So if we mm-hmm. hear about Black Wall Street 100 years ago. We find out about it five years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm here around the corner from Lake Lanier for six years. And I just find out last night how Lake Lanier got here. Um, I had heard about Central Park. So I had heard portions of that before. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't know about Lake Martin in Alabama. And I meant to ask my wife because she grew up around that area. So Lake Martin, um, it's just disgusting. It sucks. It so sucks.
1: And that's why I think our position is so vital. Um, I, I guess in, in looking at the whole picture of my, my mom, single African-American woman. She didn't have anybody to help her acquire anything, right? She put an addition on to this house out of her own blood, sweat, and tears. She's black and she's a veteran. So all of those things, not all of those things is just like. It, it, it reaffirms to me us being in this industry. It reaffirms to me the, the impact that we have on our community, whether we work with those that look like us or not. Because until we can see each other in different spaces and different lights, we will continue to have the Lake Lanier's and the, the St. Martin. You said St. Martin, right? Saint Lake Martin. Martin. Lake, Lake, market. Lake, Lake Martin. Lake Martin, yeah. Alabama and the Black Wall Street, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I heard about it. I learned about Lake Lanier a couple of years ago, and I've been on that lake. I, I, I've been on that lake. So yeah. How did you hear? I don't remember. I just remember being in awe. I was like, "What?" They said, "Yeah, we don't go." It was. I had to be in a, a real estate setting with like with colleagues, and they said, "Yeah, I don't go to Lake Lanier." They flooded the city, and I was like, "What do you mean?" About the city, like I don't, I don't get it. And they were saying that um, I guess they were referencing how people. A lot of people die on that lake because they go out and they drink and the boating and they have boating accidents. It's like a high number of accidents out there. And they say, because there's a city down there pulling people. I said, what are you talking about? said There are houses at the bottom of the lake. And then I guess at one point when the lake started to because we had a drought in Georgia uh, a few years back and they started to see the tips of the houses. Oh wow. Because the you know the water level was so low and people were starting to move out. Uh but uh I can't remember the instance, but I just remember being like, what? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. It that doesn't make any sense. But to your point, I wasn't surprised. I don't yeah. I don't get surprised at, at at hearing that news anymore. I get surprised when people are shocked or <laughs> like in disbelief that it happened, you know. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Relax, relay, release. It's okay.
0: Yeah, yeah I I was uh I, w- I was taken back. Like I never um uh, I never thought like I just figured it's a man-made lake, you know, because I'm not from here, so I just thought it was a man-made lake. Really? Um and I never want <laughs> I never wondered like why or how, you know what I mean? So now I'm going through my mind and I'm like, okay, I wonder about this lake or that lake. Um, Mm. There's a ton. I'm going to send you the video. (laughs) There's a lot of places throughout the United States that were lakes. Same thing happened. Um, So you, you know, so the name of the town was called Oscarville, Oscarville, Mm -hmm. Georgia had about a thousand people. Um, predominantly African-American. It was a thriving community. Two guys um, supposedly uh, raped the young lady and they were tried and executed all in the same day. So they were killed in the same day. A mob of people um, went in to Oscarville in like 2000, excuse me, 1912 and Mm -hmm. began to run out African-Americans or kill them. And by 1920, the town was empty and they said, oh, I'm paraphrasing, we need a lake and they flooded the town. So the same thing that you heard, I heard the city is the town is still there, Um, which man, a lot of so when I look at and I think about it, a lot of generations of wealth Mm -hmm. just literally washed away, just washed away. Um, which, you know, it, this business is tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough and it's stressful. Mm-hmm. And don't let anybody else ever let you think that it's not right. Right. <laughs> but when I heard that story last night, it fueled something in me mm-hmm. like, OK, let's get it. Like we know better now. I don't think the same thing they can try, but I'm not sure if they'll succeed now. You know what I mean? And I think we need to keep pushing. That's why African-American home ownership is so much needed. And we're still in the economy that we're in and in the times that we're in with success, we're still behind what we were 50 years ago in terms of home ownership. So, like, that's why I constantly push and educate. That's the whole premise of this platform, because Mm -hmm. I can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. And having yourself on here as a guest to tell your story is going to resonate with a veteran, somebody working in HR, somebody working in general, a teacher, someone who wants to be an agent, but they just don't know how. Can I do it and still work my job? Can I do it? And I've got two young kids. Can I do it? I've got a husband and trout. You see what I'm saying? Like all of those things, can I cannot do it. I've got a husband in sales. So if I go into sales, how does that affect my family? um your story is going to help somebody and it's important that we get it out we get this narrative out and that it touches those lives because we need more african american realtors we need more african american loan officers appraisers home inspectors attorneys you know whatever something title agents we just need more in the business to kind of push the envelope forward Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it it was, it was, it it fueled something in me last night. Like I I saw it at like 10 something and I was like, wow, like, okay, that's what it's for. Like the things that we're doing, this is what all of this is for. Um, -hmm. essentially it doesn't have anything to do with Kevin or Mm Niall. That was what I realized last night. It's, it's got something to do with everybody after us and the people that we're going to affect i.e miss jackson
1: mm-hmm. yep. yeah i appreciate you having me on here to share my story because there there's so many times that i feel like oh i'm just i do that comparison thing that you refer to right i see people who were doing 40 transactions a year or 60 transactions a year and i'm like wow and, for, and I have to bring myself down to say, that's great for them. For me, it's about the person that I'm helping at that moment in time. Um, how will this affect their family? I want to be invited to the barbecue. That's of my clients look. I want to be invited to the backyard, um, the, the backyard at the barbecue. And you say, hey, that's my realtor, you know. Um, but most importantly, for their family, um, it feels good to look at different houses or um, things that I might have touched. But it, to your point, it is bigger than us. Um, it's unfortunate that we hear about those stories and things like uh, the floods happen and Wall Street, Black Wall Street is taken away because of jealousy um, from whatever aspect it is, whether it's race or just, I don't know. Um, but uh, I lost my train of thought. It, it's, 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 I lost my train of thought. It's, it's <laughs> We're here for a purpose and for a reason, and I'm I'm glad that you're aware of it and that it hits you, so it would fuel you in a different way, because that's what that appraisal did for me. I mean. <laughs> I was like, oh, he think he, oh, okay. So he just thinks he could, he's from Peachtree City, uh, you know, and so there's a different perspective when you come from different places on different areas. Right. So, you know, um, and little did he know, Historic College Park is booming. It's money over here, <laughs> you know. So um, I say all that to say, I appreciate you allowing me the opportunity to share my story, um, to have the opportunity to impact somebody across the globe, because I know this is going to be worldwide, right? Um, And just so that we can bring that awareness to our community. Um, that they can reach out to a professional, get the assistance that they need and don't um, don't sit in uncertainty. I think that's the the takeaway I, I would give from today is that I sat in uncertainty when I first entered the industry. In hindsight, if I would have asked different questions or gone to different brokerages, I would have maybe excelled. I may have failed. Who knows? Um, but not asking. I don't know Um, if my mom didn't reach out to me because she's very independent. She does stuff and she's not going to come and tell you what she does until she hits some type of hurdle. Um, And even in some cases she'll just push through. Um, But the fact that she came to me, if she would have sat in uncertainty, I mean that would have affected her on the appraisal for her home. Right. Um, I think the takeaway from this is don't sit in the uncertainty, reach out to somebody that can help and know that myself and mr kevin jefferson who i like to call friend, we have conversations out of, outside of this um can help you um on that journey so thank you mr jefferson i appreciate you having me on your podcast you're a
0: mess <laughs> 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 no nah, thanks for i mean thanks for sharing your story um like i said i think it'll help somebody and um I look forward to watching your your business continue to grow the way I've seen over the last you know, four years. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely appreciate you. I appreciate your time and appreciate all that you do. Um, for people who are listening, who would like to get in contact with you on social media, uh, could you give them your social media? information?
1: I would love to. So Nyella sells real real estate. So that's N Y A L A S E L L S real estate. And that's on Instagram and Facebook. But you can also reach me on LinkedIn at Nyella Allen search for me. I'm pretty sure I'm the only one right now (laughs) because there is a Nyella Allen in California. She's just like years younger than me. Um, But those are the platforms that I'm on uh, I guess most frequently i do not have a twitter so if you see a nayala allen on twitter that is not me and um you can find me on uh, youtube and you can also reach me oh you asked about social media give me your my, phone number give me your my phone, phone number it's 470 601 7107 you can send me a text you can call me um, I look forward to helping you and anyone else, you know, um, with their next home purchase or most importantly, they have a home to sell. We need the inventory.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need the inventory <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, thank you, Nyella. And you guys, thank you for listening to the Real Estate Proverbs podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Jefferson. Have a great day. Thank you for listening and be sure to follow Kevin on Instagram at The People's Lender. We'll see you here next time on Real Estate Proverbs with Kevin Jefferson.